This is their new hoax. But you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. Nursing is a different profession to what it was this time last year. Workloads are higher, processes are different, but COVID-19 has given nurses a chance to do something new, to upskill, and dare we say it, be part of a once-in-a-lifetime health event. One new playing field for today's nurse is the drive-through testing site. I have a COVID-19 clinical team leader with me today who runs a number of these sites and is joining us today to give us a little window into what that's like. Joining me now is Vishnu Arunasalam. Vishnu, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Vishnu, tell us a bit about the work you're currently doing. Um, currently, I'm one of the site coordinators for the car park drive-through testing clinics for coronavirus. Um, we've got about four clinics that we all share as team leaders, um, team leading the, uh, the clinical staff that come to help us. Um, and supporting the patients that come via cars to get tested. Mm-hmm. And whereabouts are you based at the minute? Um, at the moment, my the clinics that I um, team lead is for Carlingford and the Western Sydney University uh, drive-through clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of mm-hmm. us, you know, well, a lot of people listening may have worked in in drive-through clinics, or they might know people who have, or they might just be like me and they've only kind of seen it on TV. I haven't personally got tested anywhere yet, so um, you know, run us oh, through. Wow. A, you know, knock on wood, mainly I've just been indoors, so that's probably why. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, run us through a little bit about kind of what goes into it. Um, so essentially, I think the idea is to. Um, make uh, testing more accessible for the wider community. Um, So essentially, yes, we're in a car park or an outdoor space like an oval. Um, We have marquees set up um, with the support of security guards. Um, We are able to get the cars to come through as if you're going to McDonald's to buy, um, you know, your meal. You come through um, to get your test Um, and our clinicians will come and see you at, you know, whilst you remain in your car. Um, and speak to you, triage you, assess. Um, but also, I think the main thing is about supporting you through, you know, what to do next, mm. um, debunking some, you know, anxiety, like face, because, you know, the community seems to have a lot of anxiety around COVID, coronavirus testing. So really, you know, um, de-escalating that, reassuring that it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go off into the next bay, which is where the test happens. Um, and that's the pathology uh, collectors. And they're very good too, very gentle. And away they go back home to isolate 
waiting mm. for the results to be texted or a phone call for public health if they're positive. Yeah, and I do want to come mm-hmm. back to the patients, but um, run us through kind of what the setup is like for the nurses because, you know, it must be pretty strange, I think, uh, unless you're maybe a paramedic or maybe, you know, out there in, in a war zone, not many nurses kind of maybe do stuff kind of outside or on, on the scene. Um, so, you know, what is the setup like where, you know, keeping your PPE, keeping all your gear, you know, putting your rubbish away to run us through the kind of setup. Um, it is very different um, because, like, on a ward, it's very controlled. You've got the luxury of having access to designated spaces, toilet facilities. Um, if something happens, you can call help and, you know, a whole team of nurses and doctors will come flying to you. You've got all those, you know, workflows already set up mm. because um, this is like a mobile clinic. You're really just starting from scratch. So there's a lot of safety consideration. You know, you've got moving cars. Some clinics do about 600 cars a day, Mm. which is a lot of cars. Um, You know, weather conditions, you know, we've had that torrential rain once where some of the tents kind of toppled over. Yeah, straight um, on the phone to the union then. (laughs) No, no, we we weren't that bad. So, like, (laughs) we just had to, you know, make sure we got, like, now we've got these proper marquees where you could have weddings underneath. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, So, yeah, so I think... When it all started, it started very small, and then, you know, we realized we are going to be there longer, so it's like, okay, we need a robust marquee, mm. we need a place that got, that's got access to um, toilets, we need maybe three security guards mm. um, to support us with the, you know, the movement of cars, because, you know, we're nurses and we shouldn't be moving cars, and um, so yeah. that's one thing. On top of that, I think um, being, being able to really think um, out of the box or, um, and have like ideas and problem solving on the spot because again um, if, it, if you were on a ward you have like an escalation process but I guess um, when if you're out in the car park whether it's a clinical issue or a um, safety issue um, as a team leader you have to just make an executive decision as to how you would move forward and mitigate mm. risks yeah um, so it's really a lot of it's kind of thinking on the spot um, so that was very different um, because, again, I worked in the hospital and I work in a setup uh, as a chronic nurse, which is, again, very controlled. And you have um, you have support, whereas here you're kind of autonomous and independent Yeah. With, with the team of nurses. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd imagine you're used to that, right? You're used to someone has designed a hospital. A lot of thought has gone into kind of where you put things, where you, if you draw blood, where you put that. Yeah. Where you, so when you take yeah. the, the test off someone, how does that yeah. process work, keeping kind of tests um managed and organized and then where do they go at the end of the day does someone come and drive and get them off you or you know run us through a bit of that yeah so okay so infection control in the community is like a big thing especially you know coronavirus with Mm. you know the transmission rates so we've we've got you know the 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 clean and dirty um spaces um marked out um just like we have in the wards uh, we've got them marked out uh, we have a space that's only clean, only dirty. Um, then there's PPE, where, you know, donning and doffing off stations. Um, and the collection of it, you know, goes straight into an esky. Um, and then that esky is then, you know, picked up by a courier. So all of this is done in a way where we're, you know, wiping between surfaces and there mm. isn't any cross-contamination. Um, but then also being very vigilant about, you know, hand hygiene um, and wiping off surfaces in between. Um, but I think it just helps because what we've done is we've had we've been collaborating with the uh, Westmead CNC, mm. uh, Infection Control CNC, who's come out, has made some you know expert recommendations, and um, 
it's about applying those principles um, in, in the community. Um, so, so we, at least the, uh, the rationale behind infection control in ICU is still kind of present in mm. the car park. Yeah. Um, like adapted to the car park, I must say. Yeah. yeah. Because you can't get it to be the same as a ward because it's not a ward. Mm, of course. <laughs> the car park. Um, yeah. what, what is the sort of, uh, is it nine to five? What's the sort of um, hours that go on, um, you know, for the drive throughs um, so it is business hours. So you yeah. start at eight and yeah. we finish at four thirty. Yeah. We did have like an extended hour period when uh, we wanted to increase the amount of testing. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's the business hours. Mm. I think mainly so that we could be more accessible to the community, so they can you know come through during that during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do finish at four thirty. And and then is that area kind of cordoned off overnight um, to kind of I don't know. You, you guys have been there all day, maybe, or do you have to kind of clean the area down afterwards? Or you know, what about the area specifically? Okay, so every day um, we've got uh, this a company that comes and cleans at the end, like a sanitation. Um, the, uh, uh, sanitation squad i think mm-hmm. um, that come in the afternoon to clean but it is our duty to wipe off surfaces and you know bag up rubbish for, so the collection so they could be collected mm-hmm. um and then we lock everything up um the markings stay out obviously and then we just lock off corner off that section some spaces some car parks actually hire a security guard overnight to to you know guard the space mm-hmm. so that things don't get go missing like traffic cones you know children could be some children are you know <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah. stuff you know things don't go missing essentially so we had that person mining those spaces um but uh, you know uh, the place is cleaned every day by mm-hmm. um i think it's pioneer but you can cut that out I don't know why I said that, <laughs> that's just the company that comes and cleans it up for yeah. us yeah so you know talk us about what it's like for the nurses there now straight away as we were talking you kind of talked about rain i was thinking oh wow it's coming into summer and you guys are going to be outside all day how do the nurses find yeah. working out there all day i mean you said some places have 600 cars is it busy or is it kind of boring or you know how are they finding what's the sort of feedback you guys are getting I think we're getting quite a mixed um, feedback, but I think, look, they, the, the clinics are busy. We're doing 600, mm. so very busy. Um, you're on your feet, um, so we're very mindful of that. So, you know, people are getting adequate breaks, um, being taken care of. Mm. Um, when it's raining, we just provided adequate gear, you know, uh, wet weather gear like ponchos and matching umbrellas and um, hats. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, for summer, we're thinking of, you know, getting everyone to wear scrubs because it's a lot, you know, um, cooler to wear scrubs mm-hmm. um, and, you know, maybe more breaks. Um, we're looking to get uh, to get some fans installed, um, an awning attached to the marquee if possible. Mm. Um, and, you know, December and fingers crossed this doesn't go till December. Like, we just don't know. Yeah. Um, but Have you had conversations awful... like that? If, you know, if it is going to be the foreseeable future and, you know, I would, I think, mm. you know, if I were going to get a test, I think, a, you know, drive through is, is is the best probably bet. Convenient. Yeah, yeah convenient. Yeah. And even from it, maybe just from a, a health standpoint, keep everyone kind of separate and away. I mean, this might be the, safe, n- the yeah. new normal. Mm. Um, mm. Have you guys talked about that at all and how you might set up? So, um, look, you know, Australian summer can get really hot. So, and PPE, I mean, that's layers of plastic. Mm. Um, so I think, I think we are looking for strategies to um, still continue the service of having a drive through clinic. So for the December heat, we were thinking perhaps we might start earlier in the day and then stopping 
before 12 when it gets really hot mm -hmm. and then can be starting about 4 p.m. going till 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, so there'll be so the service still continues despite you know the horrid heat that we have in December. Yeah and I think that'll probably be uh, good mm -hmm. for patients too because I'm guessing you know obviously we know straight away that heat will be a, a bit of a pain while people are sat there of nobody course. likes queuing. Um, how has yes. the experience with patients been how have they I mean I know that they're a mixed bag probably at the best of times but <laughs> how, how has it been? Some of them have been really lovely and they've all been understanding. Um, I think the frustration comes with, um, you know, when there's hot spots that emerge over the weekend mm. and, you know, some of them do wait for for their test. But um, look, if only it was as quick as buying che a cheeseburger from McDonald's, but it's not. Mm. Um, it, is a, it is a health procedure and there's a legal component where they have to consent and we need their legal, um, you know, their details um and then there's that infection control um risk as well so mm. um so you know generally it's a bit about 20 to 30 minutes but oh, wow. when there has been times when we've had the 600 volume that it's been about an hour yeah but um the feedback has mostly been very positive and they're all very understanding as well mm. what's the knowledge of the virus like among patients i mean are they asking lots of questions are they asking silly questions do you think or do you think they're kind of pretty clued in um, look, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a silly, there's no silly questions. Mm. Um, I think you can just understand that. I, th I think what I appreciate is that perhaps some of these, um, concerns, um, arise from just being super anxious about the disease. Mm -hmm. Um, and the good thing is that I'm we're really happy that they're asking questions about, well, what happens, you know, like the, you know, a child, if my child, um, needs to be tested um, and, you know, how would I go about isolating if they're really young? Mm -hmm. Well, then, the, the, you know, the, the, the answer to that is that, yes, you and your child will have to isolate together. Mm -hmm. um, so because a child is not able to isolate on their own. Yeah. Um, so, you know, most, most of the questions have been really good. And, you know, they, they, are, quite, they are quite cluey out there because um, I think our government's done an excellent job with providing resources um, you know, available on websites mm -hmm. and pamphlets. Um, so quite good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were not doing this, obviously, before the pandemic. Um, you, no. you, like a lot of nurses, have had to kind of change up and, and go with the times. And um, what were you doing yes. before this? I am, uh, well, currently I'm still doing it. Mm. I sort of balance this role with the um, COVID work. I'm a chronic care facilitator. Mm-hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, what are the sort of skills that you've taken with um, that have kind of helped with this or has it been a real learning experience? I would say both. Um, it's been uh, so there's some skills that were transferable. So uh, so my, uh, my scope of practice at the moment is it's about working with patients and upskilling health literacy um, and empowering them to self-manage. So those principles, I think, are very much the same when it comes to, uh, you know, COVID work, because you're making sure patients uh, understand um, their health um, and their needs and what to do next when it comes to um, isolating. Um, so that health education component is very much transferable in my role. Mm -hmm. um, but the team leading, see, that was something that was quite new for me because I'm a junior nurse. So, so I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be um, given a team leader role or a coordinator role. Mm -hmm. um, and I've learned, you know, the various styles of leading um, clinicians, um, understanding distress in clinical spaces and how you need to address uh, people's psychological needs in order to, you know, 
uplift a team. Um, but also uh, with the the coronavirus, you know, the COVID clinics, we've got a lot of stakeholders from various disciplines, various backgrounds, all coming together to work under the same banner. And that means that I don't know these people and I don't know where they come from, but it's been really, it's been really interesting to work with them and somehow find a way to meet on a common ground to, you know, deliver a service to the community. So that's been really rewarding too. Mm. I mean, it is stating the obvious at this point, but obviously COVID has, has changed all of our lives um, in, yes. in many different ways. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, I'm always interested when I talk to a nurse, especially a nurse who's working, you know, quite intimately with the virus. I mean, how has mm-hmm. is, is your, apart from work, I mean, how has COVID changed your life? Um, I guess COVID has made me, um, has made me realise that we need to slow down, um, really slow down really spend more time with our families, um, appreciate the smaller things. Um, but the main thing, I, I think that COVID, uh, in a way, um, has, it's been humbling and grounding uh, at the same time. Uh, and at the moment, that self-reflection is quite needed, it, personally in my life where I am at the moment. So I, it's kind of, for some reason, it's happened at, at the right time. Mm. I don't know if I could comment on that, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I mean, you know, people like myself, you know, non-health professionals, we, we you know, are suffering anxieties because of this yes. or, you know, general levels of kind of tension. Um, so, you know, I would imagine at times that's doubled um, for a nurse uh, or anyone, any health professional. How have you dealt with that during the time? I guess for me, I think um, as a junior nurse, I think this is my, you know, how every nurse has their story about participating in a large global event that's mm. health related yeah. see some nurses would say it's the aids or they would you know or one nurse would be like oh i you know, nursed during the war or you know there's always this big event yeah. and i guess being a junior nurse i think for me i could say i participated in supporting the community with covid that's an interesting um, so way i see it. it like that so that yes i see it as that big picture i think we all have that moment so this would be the moment that i would report back to Maybe my fellow junior staff that I work with yeah. in the future. <laughs> yeah. And, and I always ask uh, nurses who come on the podcast this question, but I mean, how have your family and, and friends, loved ones coped with you kind of been out there um, through this period? I think initially they were quite anxious, um, quite anxious to start with. But I think now they've just, well, I think they've understood that, you know, as nurses, we know how to protect ourselves because it's not just COVID that we deal with. Before COVID, we've always, we were always at risk of contracting anything. So if we were doing our jobs correctly, following standard precautions, there shouldn't be a reason why we contract a disease. Um, so, that, you know, my parents or, you know, my family are quite aware that um, if I do the right thing, I should be safe. <laughs> so they have that faith. I hope so, at least. Yeah. Well, look, uh, Vishnu, all of us who are not a health professional, we appreciate the work you're doing in, in this tough period so that we kind of um, we, we can all go about our lives safely. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Connor, for having me. Thank you.